Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The premed year, session number 369. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome back to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for taking some time to join me today. Welcome back if this is not your first time here. Welcome. If this is your first time here, don't forget to subscribe in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, I have a great guest. My goal here really is to show you that no matter what you go through, becoming a physician is still something that you can accomplish. And today, my guest, Kevin, had to go through a bunch, including a lot of issues with his family and finances and starting new in a new state, at a new school, and really a new path. And we'll find out all about Kevin's journey right now. When did you realize that you wanted to be a physician? Ooh, I got asked that many questions. Asked that a lot of times during my interviews. Um, Well, I think it first started, like, so in high school, I was a lot, involved a lot in wrestling. And um like i think we i i wrestled like from for many years prior to and like i would have to go through these like i guess episodes of weight cutting and whatnot where i'd have to like start the week on like let's say like for example my senior year i wrestled at like 130 but i would start the week at like 150 (laughs) um so definitely not healthy but i have to like cut like that like 20 pounds and like three three, four days. You wear some trash bags in the car with the heat on? Yeah, exactly. Trash <laughs> bag, car, sauna after practice. Mm-hmm. It was wild. And like, um, I don't, I don't know. I definitely wasn't safe, but I, I kind of got an interest in like, um, exercise physiology for my many years of wrestling. And that carried mm-hmm. over to, um, college where I started competitive bodybuilding. And mm-hmm. now it was, um, definitely it's different sport, but similar as far as like, have to do a lot of exercise. You have to have like self-discipline and whatnot. And then 
also maintaining your diet. So I've always had this interest in like exercise physiology, um, exercise science. Um, but um, going into college, I knew that um, I wanted to apply that through like a health field. So I started volunteering at a physical therapy clinic. And it was like really gratifying to see um, patients come in like uh, post post surgery, post um, accident, and then like six months later, be able to see them independent walking again or doing whatever um, they did prior to the that surgery or accident. And um, I really was fortunate to be involved with their rehab process. Um, so I was how, the- how early on in your college career was this? Was this freshman year, sophomore year? How early was this? Oh, well, actually. Um, I had an internship, physical therapy internship, my senior year of high school. Okay. Um, so like I would go to class um, or no, for the first in senior year of high school, I would go and volunteer at a physical therapy clinic for the first three hours. And then the last three hours of high school, I would go to my classes and it was like a really cool experience. I got to learn a lot about um, rehabilitative exercise, got to follow patients around, um, teaching them about exercise and the proper form and whatnot. And it was really cool because I got to, um, carry my passion into like a, a career. And I saw, so I like came into college thinking I want to do physical therapy, but mm-hmm. the more I was involved in um, physical therapy clinics, the more I've seen patients come in with a lot more conditions that physical therapy, not necessarily be able to help with as far as like from a well being standpoint, like I've seen um, patients come in like with um, dietary, like severe dietary needs, like obesity, Blood high blood pressure, but also like patients coming in with like depression or some type of psychological condition that I um, mean not not necessarily physical therapy can treat. So from that moment on, I realized that um, I wanted to be someone that can um, like help someone in the a more holistic sense, um, treating their wellness rather than just their physical health. Yeah. Um, and and that's, that's super similar to my story where I was playing baseball. I got her playing baseball, went to a physical therapist. I said, Oh, this is cool. I want to be a physical therapist. And then uh, ultimately decided on orthopedics after dissecting that, uh, that cat, my senior year biology class. So, so for you, you're, you're sitting there in your physical therapy clinic, doing this internship, kind of getting, um, getting more exposure, starting college, wanting to be a physical therapist, getting more exposure and, and seeing that physical therapists can't do it all, right? They, they are seeing patients that have more complex issues and not just uh, joint pain and post-op kind of uh, uh, joint replacement rehab, that kind of stuff. And you're like, well, maybe I want to do more, right? That's what it sounds like. Right, exactly. Like, I'm very grateful for my experience in physical therapy clinics because I was exposed to a lot of things. I met a lot of great physical therapists that Mm -hmm. um, I learned a lot from. But yeah, there was like something in me that's like um, just telling me like that, well, I want to do more. Yeah. And so for you, what was that first step in trying to figure out what that more is? Because there's still a lot more on the table other than becoming a physician that potentially could fulfill that wanting more. Yeah, yeah, of course. So I think it first started when I was at my first uh, social justice trip. Um, I was help. I was uh, if you're familiar with UC San Diego, mm-hmm. um, I was working with their uh, their medical students in a the Border Health Project, and basically it's um, this nonprofit that goes out and helps with uh, migrant migrant farmers and giving them free health care and. Um, free education and whatnot. And a lot of these migrant farmers are 
um, Latino. So there's a language barrier, um, but we had translators and whatnot. And uh, when we went, went to go out and give them a free clinic, um, giving them like education, resources in order to improve their health, um, I realized that um, a lot of populations, not just migrant farmers, but a lot of populations, especially uh, minority or um, at-risk populations, don't have that, um, I guess, that, like, I guess if I realize that, I realize that um, some groups in America, especially, are more prone to disease and whatnot due to um, various circumstances not in their control, especially me coming with my background, my family were um, refugees from the Vietnam War. And when they came in as well, they they had a lot of health conditions due to just um, circumstances not in their control. And like a lot of these groups, like especially my parents or the my the minority groups that I worked with are just out here trying to make a living and provide for their family. Um, and when there is um, when they are prone to certain diseases um, or conditions that are not in their control. Um, I guess that's what clicked in my head. I was like, wow, there's a need for uh, people to, or physicians to care for and provide like information or um, resources out there for these at-risk minority groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like from that on, from that moment on, I guess that sparked like, I guess a fire in, I guess my heart that like, I wanted to be someone that can be an advocate and be a voice for immigrants, minority groups, and whatnot that may receive um, variation in clinical care, um, even in like hospital settings due to circumstances not in their control, if that makes sense. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that a little bit more, because I I think your story potentially aligns with that a little bit, at least based on kind of the a little bit of the story that you sent me. when you're when you're doing this border uh, health project and and you're seeing these these families in need at one point you and your family were in need talk a little bit about kind of the the journey that you and your family went on and how that impacted your your journey to medical school yeah of course so um it was my the spring semester of my first year of college it was actually finals week and I was studying for finals and um, I get a call from my parents saying like, Hey, uh, my dad was on the phone. He's like, Hey, we, my dad was like, we lost it. I was like, lost what? And he said, we lost like everything. Um, we lost our homes, our cars. Basically my parents had a bankruptcy and, um, we, yeah, we pretty much lost all we had. And, um, after talking with the financial aid office at, at the school I used to go in Michigan where I started as a freshman, um, I, w- I learned that I wasn't able to um, attend there anymore due to inefficient funds. Um, so that at that moment, I was pretty, um, I was pretty stressed. Like it was finals week and like I was worrying about my grades, but also not only that, I was worrying about my future here. And um I like had to make decisions like quick decisions in the next couple of days of what I was going to do uh, moving forward, not just from like an educational standpoint, but from like, where, where am I going to go like to live or like, where's my, where's my next home going to be? Um, so I, I had to make the decision that I would move to California because I had extended family members in California and I would go to community college there so I can, um, uh, cause community college, 
um, is relatively cheaper than where I was going to. Um, so I moved to California and from there it took, um, it was a, um, I just, I guess I would call it just a, a kind of a bear because, um, it kind of set me back. Um, I wasn't going to graduate in four years anymore. Like a lot of my friends were like the projected, um, usual time it takes to finish like your bachelor's. Um, and then I also lost my, I guess not lost, but my network that I, my network of professors and physicians that I built uh, over in Michigan. Um, there were more, I wasn't able to really do work or like research for them anymore. Um, cause I'm moving to California, I guess. So I think the major barrier was having to, you know, come to California, reestablish myself and build a new network. Um, and I guess like learn like the different, cause, uh, going from California to, uh, going from Michigan to California, I went into a community college that was a quarter system. So having to, um, get used to that as well, the fast, the fast pace of the quarter system rather than the semester system. That was, um, a lot of things I had to learn how to adapt to change. Mm-hmm. Were at any point during that journey, was there any discussion either with just yourself or with your parents about staying out of school and helping the family with finances or anything along those lines? Um, th- yeah, there definitely was. And what my parents um, wanted me to do, although my parents wanted me to do was just focus on school because um, they, because like, fortunately I got to move in with extended family that um, I didn't, that I didn't have to like pay room and board for, which was nice. So I could still focus on school, but still I, I worked two jobs during my time um, to uh, pay for like my necessary funds for community college and pay for classes and whatnot. But they, my parents, despite not going to college, they really, um, want me to wanted me to focus on school because that those were the opportunities they never got yeah what was it like to to go through this process and and have to move and lose your network like you talked about um if not the discussion of of staying home and working and helping your family with finances was there any thought of like well I'm I'm leaving school. I have to transfer. I have to do all this over. Maybe I I can't do it. Did you have any voices either in your own head or from other people that your your path to medical school or you're probably were you still pre PT at that point? Yeah, I was. I was in the midst of like um, figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, figuring out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. So so was there any doubt that you could even do that with all of this kind of upheaval in your life? Um, I don't think there, there was doubt. I think it was my most biggest concern was like the delay. And like, to be honest, I kind of felt embarrassed because I I know that like there's a stigma and I used to believe in it that like, you know, like community college students, um, are, um, not, not receiving like a quality education as like university students or like seeing my friends like graduate before me. I think those were like the most the biggest things, but they're more like psychological and like in hindsight, like now that I've graduated and stuff, that doesn't even matter. But, um, you know, like, uh, attending to, or trying to keep up with the cultural norms of people usually like graduating in four years and whatnot. And, um, 
I think those were like the biggest barriers. I think uh, with my years of wrestling, I was really fortunate for because I wasn't a very good like academic student in, academically in high school, but I did wrestle throughout most of my um, most of my high school experience, and I built a great deal of resiliency and um, self discipline, and uh, I dealt a lot with adversity on the mat, and from that I converted to um how i approach i guess life because uh, in wrestling like you like you're on the mat you versus um your opponent like when you and when you're on the mat it's just you so um you know you have to uh defend for yourself and whatnot like no one's out there to help you in the sense um and so i had like a really great work ethic and mm. like experiences dealing with adversity before yeah. Yeah. That's why I love sports, right? I wish, I wish everyone uh, who can c- could play sports. I know I, I have a friend who has two kids and like their family rule is you have to be doing like, you have to be involved in one sport and one like musical instrument at all times. That's just, they, they believe in how much that oh. kind of shapes who you are as a person. Most definitely. Yeah. Cause the amount of character and things that like you, you develop that can't be necessarily built in the classroom. Um, those are skills that you can take wherever you go. Yeah. That's it's, awesome. It's so crucial. So you, once you transferred and you had to rebuild your network, talk about that. How did you rebuild your network? Because I think that's where a lot of students struggle is building that network. And so you're a perfect example of having a network and then losing it all and then needing to rebuild it. How do you start with that? Yeah. So I was fortunate enough to, um, like not a lot of people are like would move or we're in, I guess, big cities like me when I moved to San Diego. So I guess um, being in San Diego was perfect for me because despite being community college, like um, where I where I live, there is multiple universities around. There's San Diego State University, Point Loma, Nazareth University, San Diego University, uh, UC San Diego. Um, so there are a lot of various and yeah, a lot of different academic institutions and as well as a lot of hospitals like I can just think of like five hospitals off the bat um, in San Diego within like about, I don't know, a 10, uh, five to 10 minutes drive away from each other. Um, so there are a lot of opportunities to learn, but um, I guess being resourceful, I think I had to a lot better than most, most people and realizing this because like I didn't have a family friend that was a physician or um, none, none of my family are physicians um, or in healthcare for that matter. So like, I, I guess I just had that like realization in my head, like I need to like meet people um, in order, like in the right field in order to progress. So um, for example, when I was in community college, like I was, I was doing also doing research at another, at, um, another university um, and that led me to be able to like do a research, uh, or like talk at a research conference. And, um, I was like volunteering at a, at a couple different hospitals and I was like working with UC San Diego medical students. Um, so I think, and, uh, I think location is a big thing, um, and like the resources, but knowing that I had to, I had to network and build a network in order to like explore medicine more kind of gave me that, I guess that fire 
or that push that I needed to actually go and do that or be proactive about it. Yeah. So, so talk about how you did that though. Did you, were you reaching out through school? Were you oh. sending emails, making phone calls? What did you do yeah, to actually do that? It was like a combination of all three, like making phone calls to um, hospitals, emailing. Um, it definitely is a number game, especially when you're trying to find positions to shadow. Like I've, I probably like emailed like, I don't know, 15 and 20 physicians when you only get like one or two reply from a physician or with uh, phone calls. Um, in order, when I got my research position, um, during community college, I actually went to this conference, um, and it was like the science fair, um, with it. And I just talked to a lot of the scientists and I found, I found a scientist that was doing, uh, uh, research in, um, muscle atrophy. So, um, I was like, wow, that's like right up my ball. My, uh, so I like just talked to him and like, you know, going, putting yourself out there and going out to science fairs and conferences, because if you're in a major city there, they are available. Um, you just need to go there and like, be ready to talk about, um, like the research of interest or whatnot. Yeah. Um, and then I'm just thinking like, oh, so I like there at my community college, there were a couple of clubs like AMSA, um, and whatnot where we had, like connections with um, with other organizations at major universities, and like through networking there, I was able to um, like further my network. Um, so it's yeah, a combination of like calling, emailing, organization work, um, going out, meeting people. Yeah. What was the the hardest part about that transition from one school, one university back to community college, back to another university? I think from my experience, at least the, the difficulty as far as like academic rigor increased, because even though um, I went from university back to community college, um, I think the academic rigor at this uh, community college in San Diego was a lot more um, was a lot greater than the universe at the university I had. And then going from that community college to a major university, the academic, um, the academic rigor was even more. And I had to tailor my, uh, learning style accordingly. Like my, like throughout my educational, uh, my undergrad experience, my learning style and how I studied changed drastically. Um, and that was had to do to that has to do to coming up with ways to be more efficient with my time, getting involved more. So um, being able to absorb information better or utilize resources better, um, whatnot. So adapt. So through transferring to different schools and learning how to adapt my learning style accordingly to the academic rigor. And then of course, just uh, meeting new professors and whatnot. And like, Again, building that network, um, at, at least for me, it's always uncomfortable to go out and, um, you know, talk to especially someone that's like big in their field or whatnot or professor. But I think I, I definitely uh, it definitely got easier as I did it more. Um, and like, no, I mean, now I still get nervous when I like go up to someone that I don't know to talk to them. Um, but it, it's like, that's a skill that I'm always going to have to use. Yeah. 
talk about the the actual pre-med journey part of this when it comes to to taking the MCATs, to taking all of your pre-med courses and getting good grades. What was the the biggest struggle for you there? Ooh, okay. Um, I think the biggest struggle for me was um, it depended on the stage. So I I think uh, during community college, I wasn't involved as much. Um, so I was just focused mostly, mostly on classwork. There's not opportunities. Of course, I did like my hospital volunteering or whatnot, but and then my research, but it wasn't as um, big or as challenging as when I went to university, a major university um, after community college and the academic rigor was greater. And along with the quarter system, um, definitely a lot of information I need to know in a short period of time, especially those classes where it's just like midterm and final, there's no assignments. And like literally your, your grade is riding on like at least I think about 90% of my science classes were like that. Just, um, like, cause a quarter is 10 weeks. So you have a midterm week five and then uh, your finals week 10. And like, without having any assignments or extra credit, like your grade is just based on like those two things. Um, and it, and that sucked because I don't know if like, if you do bad on your week five midterm, then there's a lot of stake going into your final, but still the final is always worth more than the midterm. So it's like, you just have to do well in both. So that's a type of uh, like class um, rigor that I had in university that I had to adapt with. Um, and then but as well as going into university, I had more, greater role in research, um, taking on a research position and um, rushing a, a pre-med fraternity, uh, like dealing with all like the extracurriculars. Of course, I joined um enjoying things that I generally enjoyed, but I had to give up things. For example, uh, during community college, I competitively bodybuild. And like at that point, I, as soon as I was able to acclimate with like my learning and whatnot, I was able to still fit in, um, competing, um, in bodybuilding competitions. But then as soon as I transferred to university, the, the, um, time slot to learn due to the, the academic quarter and whatnot was smaller. So I definitely had to um, cut back on extracurriculars, um, which which I regret. Um, but I think man, the biggest thing for me as well it was the MCAT. Like I I struggled with the MCAT. I and welcome I think, to the club. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Welcome to the club. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think one of my issues was so I was in a pre med fraternity and. Um, there's, it was a great like com community. What fraternity um, was that? Um, uh, Phi Delta Epsilon. Awesome. Okay. And like, it was a great community. I made a lot of great friends, but there, and, um, there were so many people out there to help you. But at the same time, I think my biggest, my biggest mistake was taking too much advice. Mm. Um, in the sense that like, cause a lot of people have different learning styles and whatnot. So if you take someone's advice to heart being like, you have to do this way in order to like do good um that was my big issue for example one of my friends was like oh you have to take uh the princeton course uh, and so i took the princeton course uh, which is a really expensive course uh and i didn't do so well because why because i what i learned was that i'm not a very good lecture learner meaning that um i don't do well when information is like fed to me i'd rather like sit with it at my own pace 
and digest it at my own pace. But like with one of the courses, um, it didn't work for my learning style at least because uh, it was very fast paced and we were just like going through chapters in one day. And um, mm. that first time around the MCAT, I actually, yeah, I didn't do so well. Um, and then go at that. So I spent all summer, all this was summer 2017. Uh, so I spent all summer studying for that. And then going in, I had a goal to, cause I wanted to apply in 2000, 2018. So I was like, okay, so I, I'm probably going to have to study for this during, um, during the normal academic quarter. Um, so, and that was a struggle cause still I was like doing research and, um, taking my classes and whatnot, but you know, I, I still thought I could do it and, um, it back, it definitely backfired. I, it's not that I like did bad on my classes. It was just, I had to devote more time with classes research to the, to where I didn't have enough really time to study for the MCAT. And, um, so I, I scheduled the MCAT like the following January of 2018. But then when we got there, unfortunately I, I didn't feel ready. So I pushed it back and then I decided I'll just take it the following summer again. Um, that summer came and I studied at it on my own, at my own pace, uh, no course and whatnot. I just, um, read each, read each book, uh, took notes. Um, and again, didn't do as well as I, um, didn't progress as well as I wanted to. And I think that summer, 2000, summer 2018 was one of the most, the critical points to me thinking, um, I, that I'm not sure if I could do this. Like it was after like each week where I, where I took a practice test and I didn't, didn't see my score improving. Like it just crushed me. And, um, my night in 2000, summer 2018, my, my test was, I think scheduled for September and it was August. And I remember taking a, a practice test in August and I just got so much anxiety. Um, cause I was like, I need to do well on this and whatnot that I, I actually didn't even finish that test. Like I, I was, um, my mind wasn't there. And at that, like at that point, I would say definitely one of the, the lowest points of my like pre-med career. Cause I was just totally questioning my ability to do well on the tests. Um, luckily I had great friends that reached out to me. Uh, if, if there's one thing I could like give people advice to, especially in, um, undergrad or going through this journey is to have like great community. Collaboration, that um, competition. Exactly. Right. Um, so I had great community along my side and a lot of people there to, that, that wanted me to, uh, that wanted to see me um, improve and do well. So after reaching out to my friends and whatnot and being able to like, just reevaluate my mind, um, I set a goal to tackle it the following fall. So this is now we're going into fall 2018 mm -hmm. and, um, Unfortunately, I was also taking uh, starting a master's program during that time too. Uh, so I was, but w it was my goal to apply, uh, apply in 2019. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to either study for this like before I before I have to go do my master's or like after I I'm done with the duties. And I decided to um, start waking up at 2 a.m. Um, because for me, at least in my learning style, I know that I'm not a very good um, night studier. Mm. Like I don't like 
studying at night, like past like 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. I don't know. Um, and I'm not, I don't like studying when I'm like fatigued um, because I don't like drinking coffee. Um, I don't want to like push myself. So I'd rather wake up really early and study when I'm refreshed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like at that time too, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., there's no, like nothing bothering me. Like no one's on social media, no one's <laughs> posting a picture on uh, Instagram. So I think it was after I developed that habit, like it was great. Like I would, I would wake up. Um, luckily I had act 24 hour access to this library on campus. So I just um, go to the library. It was just me, the custodians. Um, and we were rocking it out. Um, <laughs> you and the and custodians then, just chilling. Yeah, three, yeah. just chilling 3am, 4am. And then I would study. Um, and then at 8am I would go do my master's classes, um, do my research. Cause this was a, a research focused uh, master's, but we had to also do some classes. Um, yeah. and then at the why, time, why were you taking a master's? Um, so I, during community college, I, I did do research, but I want, I didn't have like the experience of like contributing to a research, pro, like a research project where I'm producing novel data. So I wanted that like true research experience where like, you know, I have this hypothesis. I want to test it out. Um, I want to. So, so, so taking a master's for that is a very expensive, <laughs> very expensive yes, proposition. Yes, did, and, did you think you had to do that to get into medical school or you d- no. did you truly want to do it? Yeah. Yeah. I truly wanted to do it. Um, and like, yeah, I, I truly wanted to that research experience because one of the reasons that I wanted to be a physician was I wanted to like be like the trifecta. Like I wanted to um, treat patients in the clinic. I wanted to teach at university and medical school. And I also want to do research and like being a physician is so multifaceted. You can do that. Um, so like, that was, that was like one of the reasons I, I wanted to do it and I wanted that research experience, but yeah, I agree. Doing a master is very expensive. Um, but, um, but I think the thing was, I, it also helped with my GPA because, um, my B- GPA also wasn't so, or I mean, it was like below average, but after doing the masters, it was above average. Um, so it definitely, definitely helped with my GPA. Um, and then, yeah, that research experience and also. And also, like, after doing that, um, I was able to um, become published. So, I mean, there were benefits, but I agree. It's very, um, it doesn't have to be that expensive. Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll pause you there and just uh, a, a public service announcement for those listening. You do, you do not need a master's degree to get research and, and be published to get into medical school. So, <laughs> this is, this is not the normal route of what you have to do. So, this is Kevin's journey. Um, yeah. But okay. All right, cool. So, so the MCAT was a huge struggle for you. And you finally overcame and, and figured out your learning style, which includes getting up at two o'clock in the morning, which yeah, is, yeah. which is awesome. When it came to applying to medical school, what was the most surprising thing that you found during the application process that you weren't really prepared for? Um, I think one thing is, so I've heard this advice a lot from a lot of people, um, but I think I was just so like, I don't know um trying to like be pre-med that uh, i kind of forget to like be myself or not be myself but like be able to tell why i'm unique or why i'm different so when it came down to like for example writing my personal statement like i had like 
I don't know, 25, 26 drafts because like the first like five or whatever, it was so generic. Um, but from a lot of advice, like people would tell me to like share your experiences and how, what makes you unique and, um, what after the process, I began to realize that like, wow, my, my story does matter. It, it does matter that I, I come from a family of refugees because that's like, you know, um, that will have to do with, um, how unique my education, my educational journey takes place. And it does matter that I did competitive bodybuilding, um, because that's what led me to medicine. Um, it does matter that, I don't know, I did wrestling because, um, I learned the importance of resiliency. So a lot of these things that I thought didn't matter because it wasn't research, it wasn't volunteering in the hospital. It wasn't like MCAT or, mm-hmm. you know, GPA related it actually does matter. So I'll, I'll caveat that, right? I'll caveat that, that 1000% it matters. I, I want students to put their hobbies and put their kind of other experiences outside of medicine on their application. But the, mm-hmm. the one caveat I'll put on that is that I warn students not to try to sell too much, right? So when you mentioned that wrestling taught you resiliency, right? I don't, I don't want students on their application, whether it's in their personal statement, which it shouldn't be in your personal statement. Um, but in your, in your activity list, I don't want you to write, uh, as a wrestler, I learned resiliency, right? Cause then it's just a sales oh, pitch. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah. Like you, you have to show exactly uh, not tell. Exactly. So that's, that's just one, one caveat I'll put on there. So that student listening goes, Oh, I can, I, I know what to do to, to, to write now, write about now. Right. Right. Exactly. And actually I did write about bodybuilding in my personal statement. Yeah. You uh, said it led to you wanting to be a physician or led to medicine. Yeah. So that's, that's perfect. So yeah. And like, I did that purposely to like, uh, throw, throw the reader off. Cause it's like, cause, um, a lot of my friends or if not, or a lot of my primary friends, like don't, or not necessarily like, um, it's just a different dichotomy, you know, like, um, you can think of like meathead gym rat (laughs) (laughs) and then, uh, or meathead, uh, bodybuilder and being a physician. Um, and that uh, was actually what, like all, all my interviews that I had, like, that's the first thing they brought up about me. Like, Oh, tell me about bodybuilding. Like, yep but not um, <laughs> flex your muscles. Let me see right, them. Exactly. Like, can you do <laughs> right now? Um, and uh, yeah. So like what you said, but at the same time, yeah. Show, show, not tell. Um, I got that a lot from a lot of my friends that were applying and yep. like a lot of advice that I had. Perfect. That's awesome. Um, so yeah. More of the story, like your story does matter. Your story matters. Definitely. I have a t-shirt that proves it, it says your story mm-hmm. matters on it. Right. Um, so you've been successful this application cycle, two acceptances so far, both to DO schools. Talk about the, the kind yeah. of the difference that you've encountered applying. Uh, I'm assuming you applied to MD as well, but the, the difference yeah. that you, you've seen applying to MD schools and to DO schools and, and why do you think you don't have any MD acceptances at this point? Oh, I, so from the last week, last time we spoke, I, I do have one. All right. Uh, yeah. So I have six total. Nice. Uh, six for six. actually. <laughs> That's so one, awesome. One MD, five DO. Um, I didn't apply. To, I applied to more DO than MD. Okay. Uh, and I think like the MD 
application is a lot more extensive than the DO application. Um, in terms of what? Because they're very, very similar. Yeah, yeah. They're very similar in terms of like what you have to input, like the most meaningfuls yep. and whatnot for the MD versus um, okay. just tell me about your experience yep. in the DO. Like I listed like every, all my experiences in the, in the DO, but I was more careful and meticulous um, to the MD just because I didn't want to like show that I like did things just cause. Yeah. And you only have 15, a maximum of 15 on the MD application versus the DO, right. which is like free for all. And I think the the DO application is a lot, um, it, it takes a lot longer. Okay. Um, like the DO applications, I, like all my DO acceptances, they want me to secure my seat by um, December 14th. Yep. So at like this Saturday, actually, and like the DOs that you have until all year. So or sorry, the MDs you have until, um, I don't know, about June or whatnot to mm-hmm. secure acceptance. So I think a lot of DOs um, are more pushy. And- yeah sense that they want you to like secure your seat or they're going to give it to someone else. Yeah. That non-refundable thousand, two thousand dollar deposit. Oh, that's the worst. Cause yeah, yeah. some of my schools were like 2000, some yeah. of my schools, 3000. I had a friend, he got accepted to DO program. Um, they only gave him three weeks, uh, two weeks to submit a $3,000 deposit. Yeah. It's, it's just ludicrous. Like, I, I, if, if I could just change one thing about the application cycle, it's, it's, it's the, the DO, um, deposit it's it's ludicrous and it's um it's it's taking advantage of students unfortunately and so it's it's something that i bring up all the time to the to the aoa oh really yeah that that'd be great because a lot of students are just struggling like we already like you know spent however much on applications and then interviewing there um it just sucks that like they hit you with another like uh big fee yeah Okay. So lots of acceptances. Amazing job with that. Where do you think, uh, or, or rather, what are you doing to evaluate the acceptances and figure out where you want to go? Um, I think the biggest thing for me is, um, I think the biggest thing for me is wherever I go, I want to be able to stay true to who I am while becoming who I want to be. So for example, um, that's a beautiful like, way of putting that, by the way. Right. Thank you. Um, and a lot of these places I'll look for, oh, are there, because uh, I do a lot of jujitsu um, and mixed martial arts. Um, are there jujitsu dojos around um, that I can go to like after I go study or something like that? Are there gyms around nice. so that I can go work out? Um, are there research opportunities? Um, are there high schoolers? I, I, re- I really enjoy investing into like, um, high schoolers and whatnot. I developed a, like a mentorship program. Um, and like, is, are there like resources for me to continue to fulfill my passion while also becoming the doctor that I want to be? Mm-hmm. Um, so I look at that and then I think, uh, for me at least location is pretty big too. Uh, like if you have options, then uh, location is big. For example, my, one of my first acceptances was, um, I'm in California and that was all the way in the East coast. Um, and then like, I just got accepted to a California school. Um, so, um, it'd be nice to like stay around family. Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of students listening to this will go, that's, that's baloney. You got into an MD school. You're going to go to the MD school over the DO schools. Is that, is that a part of the equation? Um, 
No, not at all. Because from a lot of my shadowing experience, because I think shadowing and like your hostile experiences really shape who you are um, and who you want to be as a physician and who you could be. For example, a couple months ago, my dad, he had really high brush, blood pressure. So I rushed him to, I helped um, take him to the um, emergency room to urgent care. And like we were seen in, with this physician and the whole time the physician was, uh, well, while she was asking questions, she wasn't like looking at my dad or me. She was just typing on her notes and whatnot as um, she was asking us questions. And I could just like feel that sense of like, um, that disconnect between like the physician and the student or the physician and the patient. And that, that was at that point, I was like, wow, that's like something I would never do to my future patients, not look them in the eye or not try to connect with them um, and whatnot. So like just an example, but like, so my, a lot of my volunteer experience, a lot of my shadow experiences have shaped who I want to be um, and what I want to do as a physician. And I think a lot of my, experiences my positive experience in medicine has come from uh, shadowing osteopathic physicians mm. and um i and that's why i want to go towards osteopathic or osteopathic medicine yeah. and mds and as well as um i think i can for example be continue to fulfill or be continue to be who i want to be while I'm becoming who who I want to as well as an osteopathic physician because the philosophy resonates more with me and um, my background um, and and wanting to pursue like preventative medicine and because um, I believe like food is medicine, exercise is medicine. And as as a osteopathic physician, I can um, advocate for that a lot better than um, than studying under an allopathic school. Yeah. Okay. So um, for me, at least, I I'm leaning more towards a DO. Okay. So for the student out there uh, on their journey, maybe they're maybe they're struggling with their MCATs like you did, trying to figure out what best works for them, uh, or they're they're doubting their journey or figuring out if PT or medicine is right for them. What kind of final words of wisdom do you have for them? So, in terms of the MCAT, like especially if you're struggling with it, my my biggest advice is uh, fail early, fail forward if you have to. So like um, I would say uh, like if medicine is what they want to do, like truly what they want to do, they're not, I assume they're not going to give up on their MCAT um, and give up, not going to give up trying to improve their score. But if the score is not improving, um, I would advocate or like recommend just trying different learning styles, like making flashcards or um, listening to your videos because um, they helped a lot um, or not not necessarily doing what other people say, but sticking to um, their learning style um, and how they best learn. Um, I think for um, people that questioning their decision to go into medicine, like I, I think the decision should never be forced. Like if you're, I, I don't know. I just heard this quote, like, um, when I, I was listening to this podcast during my drive here, um, and it says something like, if you have to like force yourself to think about it, or if you have to force yourself to want it, then you probably don't want it. Um, it, so I think in the sense that, cause I, I believe with my journey, I didn't choose medicine, medicine, medicine chose me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I just continued to pursue what I liked and um, I saw a career that I can continue to do that. To do that. So um, it shouldn't be, whether if they're deciding to choose medicine or not, it shouldn't be like a, it shouldn't be such a hard decision. Or not, not uh, sorry, not sure if I worded that wrong, but it shouldn't be like a decision where they're forcing themselves to make, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely does. That's awesome. Um, okay. So what's next? What's what's next for you? What are you what are you hoping to accomplish when you get to medical school and finish medical school and for your your life? Yeah. So um, right now I'm in my gap here. I just finished my master's program, so I'm completely done with anything academic until uh, next next fall. But I hope to uh, compete in another bodybuilding competition um, and compete in uh, jujitsu competitions as well. Um, and then hopefully travel. And then um, as a physician, um, like I said, I really want to be an advocate for um, minority, more minority and at-risk groups. Um, I, I not only want to treat people in the clinic and have that one-on-one impact, but also have the impact on, at a population level. So I hope to pursue some type of MPH and um, be a physician that deals with policy because I, there's a lot of, um, there, I believe that there's a lot of people making decisions on people's health that don't have um, experience in healthcare or like caring for others, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have someone in these like high level positions, um, high level political decisions that um, actually understands um, that actually has empathy and has that experience working with patients, being in the trenches. Um, well, I want to be in that position as well to make these like very critical decisions on um, the health of communities. All right. So there you have it. Again, that was Kevin sharing his journey from PT to leaving school because of family finances to starting over in a new state at a new school, but ultimately becoming successful getting into medical school. Hopefully that gives you a little bit of motivation so that you can understand that no matter what happens in your journey, this is something that you can still accomplish. Hope you have a great week. Don't forget to subscribe because next week on Christmas, as it comes out, we have an amazing story for you. One of the best stories, one of the best people that I've talked to in my time as a podcaster. So stay tuned for that next week here on the Pre-Med Years Podcast. This is MedEd Media.